Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. This is the second episode in a season that I'm doing that focuses on the book of Ruth. So what I'm excited about for this episode is that it is called Three Character Traits of an Oppressive Man. So if you have a man who needs to hear this, or if you're a woman and you're trying to figure out what needs to impress you in a man, this episode is going to be great for you. Um, It Basically, this question comes from a book that Carolyn Custis James wrote called The Gospel of Ruth. She was sitting in class one day in seminary, and she asked her professor um, this question. In the Bible, when men interact with strong women, do they become stronger themselves? So that might be a little bit of a fiery subject, possibly, in our Christian world. You have the confident woman and just wondering if it's okay to be a confident woman. But today we're going to look at Boaz, as well as mention some other biblical examples um, in order to answer this question. But let's start um, with a little bit of a teaching. In her book, The Gospel of Ruth, I want to read a quote that Carolyn Custis James says. She said, Um, In Christian circles, there's sometimes the assumption that when women step into the spotlight, the men pay pay the price. But when Boaz is challenged to step up, he is not diminished, marginalized, or feminized in the slightest by being outnumbered or influenced by both Ruth and Naomi. Mm -hmm. So what she's trying to say basically is that it may seem like women stepping up challenges a man and takes away some of his masculinity, but that's not the case at all. Um, if the man is uh, able to handle that challenge well. So we're going to look in the book of Ruth and talk about three impressive character traits that Boaz had. My husband's here with me today, so he can attest to the fact that we've looked these (laughs) awesome character traits up together. I feel like you have these character traits, too. Oh, thank you. That's encouraging for you to say that to me. I I really appreciate that. I try. (laughs) Yeah. So we talked about in the last episode about the process of gleaning, about the fact that when an owner owned land, um, he would have his workers go into the field. Um, Primarily, the male workers were working first, and they would cut all the stalks, and then the female workers that he basically was paying would come and tie up those stalks. And then after all the workers were done in the field, then the other women, the beggars, I guess, the ones asking to come at the mercy of the owner could come and gather whatever they needed afterwards. Um, But Ruth shows up and she's asked if she can gather with the harvesters. And when she does, she's gathering in the fields and Boaz notices her. And when he notices her, he asks his workers, who is that woman? Mm-hmm. And um, when he says, who is that woman? They said, well, basically, she's a Moabite woman. Right. Um, she's been working the fields all day, and she only took one break. And that impresses him. And so what's really neat is that when he asks who she is, um, he looks past the letter of the law. So the letter of the law said, 
Ruth would only be allowed to gather the things that were left Basically over. the scraps. Yeah, the scraps. But he says, and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, he says, you can gather with my workers. So she gets a much better pick. Right. She gets a better harvest. Yep. And not only that, I'm going to allow you to eat lunch with them too. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to give you food. So it shows a remarkable kindness for Bo- from Boaz because he sees someone who... Let's just say it for what it is. She's a foreigner. Right. And she's poor. Yep. And he has no reason to be kind to her. There's really no reason at all, except that he sees her hard work Mm -hmm. and he respects what she's doing for Naomi. And so he honors her. Exactly. Which he didn't have to do. So I love I love that quality in him, first of all, is that he just he decides that he's gonna honor Ruth. Yeah. He's gonna be kind to her. When he gives her permission to work with with his workers, he also gives her protection mm-hmm. because now she's part of his crew. Yeah. So that's the first time that we see Naomi and Boaz interact. Um, the second one is that um, Naomi ends up seeing that Ruth has gained Boaz's respect and that he's a good man. And so she kind of comes up with a plan um, because she cares for her daughter-in-law now. She mm-hmm. sees how much Ruth has done for her and she wants to help her out, Yeah, you know, because Ruth has no husband at this point. And Naomi's thinking, I want her to be taken care of. So according to Jewish custom, um, Jewish uh, widows were supposed to be cared for by the family members. So she sends, uh, Naomi sends Ruth to Boaz and basically, um, tells Ruth, you need to go ask him to marry you. (laughs) Right. Which sounds so weird to everybody listening to this podcast right now that a woman would propose to a man, but it wasn't as weird back then, honestly. I mean, it was weird the way that it was done because normally the, the mother like Naomi would have gone to Boaz to ask. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but she sends Ruth and she kind of sends her in the dark of night. Mm -hmm. So it's, a little bit scandalous. Yeah, it's kind possibly. of risky. Yeah, and so, um, but but it wasn't like at that point in this culture. If Boaz had said yes, they could have just become man and wife at that point, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, but when what I love about this is that when um, Ruth asks Boaz this question, he is very kind to her. So he doesn't make her feel embarrassed. He doesn't. Um, throw her away. What I love is that um, it's he says, and now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you as he asks, mm-hmm. as you ask. And so then Boaz goes away and he obeys the, the letter of the law because actually he wasn't the next one in line to marry her. Right. So he had to give the other, the closer relative, the mm-hmm. right to have her. Um, but ironically, what's really funny is he kind of tricks this guy um, because he says, look, does anyone else want to marry Ruth? If you do, you'll get the land. And so this guy's like, oh, yes, I will. But he said, then he said, but you'll also inherit like any children that she has or whatever, you know, you'll and you have, have to, to take them on as a financial burden and burden. responsibility. Yeah. And so when he said that, the other guy backs out and Boaz is like, I'm still in, you yeah. know, which just goes to show Boaz had really um, a soft place in his heart for Ruth. And I think that that's some of why Naomi told Ruth, go ahead and go to him and talk to him about marrying you. I think Naomi recognized the fact that Ruth 
had caught the eye of Boaz mm-hmm. because it was her hard work in the fields. He noticed her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, hey, there's some romance going on here too. Mm-hmm. It, there's, I mean, culturally speaking, there's a lot of differences, but you really can't ever change human nature. Mm-hmm. You know, men are attracted to women and women are attracted to men. And it seems like Naomi kind of picks up on that. Man, you know, Boaz notices you. So strike while the iron is hot. Mm-hmm. Go to him, Ruth, and mm-hmm. talk to him. And and let's go ahead and get the, let's close the deal here, you know? Right. But Boaz was actually na- about probably Naomi's age. He was a lot older, yeah. Not Ruth's age. Right. Um, which probably meant that he already had children mm-hmm. um, because you would not be a prominent, influential Jewish man in a culture like that and own land like that if you hadn't already married. Right. So he probably already has other wives and children, which actually makes it a bigger risk for him to marry Ruth because the fact that he decides that he's going to marry Ruth means that his children could lose some of their inheritance right. when she has her children. Right, because they would their inheritance would be split. Mm-hmm. Instead of them getting all of it, they would have to split any future inheritance mm-hmm. with any children that Ruth would have with Boaz. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love this quote. I want to end on this before we go to our break. Carolyn Custis James says this about Boaz. She says, words and kindness, praise and reassurance flow from Boaz's mouth. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you as you ask. This is when she asks Boaz to marry her. Mm. And then he proceeds to turn the ancient patriarchal system completely upside down. Ruth is a barren, impoverished, foreign, worthless widow in society's eyes. Boaz overturns that verdict by attaching the highest possible value to her simply for herself as a person. It is a major break from the ancient culture. But he says... One of the whole, one the whole community supports. He says, "All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character." In Scripture, basically, this word "noble character" is the same Hebrew word for man of valor that mm. was used for Boaz. So, basically, he is looking at Ruth, saying, "You reflect me." Like mm-hmm. my character, I see my character in you. Yeah, there was a I connection. I see my courage in you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's so sweet that I don't I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be Ruth and to have him say that right after she proposes to him. Yeah. <laughs> and he she's probably scared what's he going to say and he says don't worry, don't be afraid. I see that you're a woman of noble ca- character. I will go pursue this matter. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's time for a break right yep. now. So when we come back from the break, you're going to ask me some questions. Yes. And I'm looking forward to I'm that. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. I'm going to get grilled. We'll be right back after this short break. At Clayton King Ministries, we exist to serve the local church in its entirety. And that's why we're having our first ever Crossroads Marriage Conference this year. If you're married or engaged, be sure to join us in Asheville, North Carolina on November 1st through 2nd, 2019 for a relaxing, challenging, and restorative weekend as we dive into what godly relationships look like, how to create healthy habits in your relationship, and learning how to use God's word to elevate marriage is a powerful witness to a watching world. Clayton and Shari will be teaching and hosting each of our sessions with many guest speakers that will provide insight that we know you're going to love. Learn more and sign up today at CrossroadsMarriageConference.com. We can't wait to see you and your spouse there. Also, if you're looking for more encouraging content, head over to shariking.com slash blog to find new articles each week from Shari. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Overcoming Monday, please share it with your friends. 
So we've already been talking about some of the great qualities of Boaz. I think it's very important in the book of Ruth to have some emphasis on this man and what a great man he is. And I'm glad you're here in the studio with me to talk about these impressive character traits, which Boaz embodies, because I think that you have a lot of them as well. And so you're going to be able to provide a lot of insight for our listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, The first trait that really impresses me is his security and his confidence. Mm -hmm. So um, as a female in ministry, I resonate with um, Carolyn's question that we mentioned at the beginning, do men who are interacting with strong women become stronger themselves? And I think that that's an important question for us to ask because a lot of times in the Bible, you have women challenging men or doing things for the Lord that actually do cause men to step up. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, some of them I think of as the wise woman in Second Samuel who stepped up to save her city mm-hmm. um, from war with David, or um, when Moses is saved by his mother and sister, yeah. um, and his life is saved. So then Moses ends up being able to be a leader for the entire nation of Israel. Or what about the woman with the alabaster jar? Mm-hmm. Um, when she came in and she worshiped Jesus and it, she, he, she changed the perspective of the disciples and everyone in the room when she anointed Jesus's, um, feet with oil and her hair. What about Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus? Yeah. And Mar- while Martha's in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. Or, um, even Elizabeth, when she had faith that they were going to have the child and Zachariah kind of didn't really go there with her. Yeah. And so he's quiet for a bit, you know? Um, and even Lydia, um, who helped start the church in Philippi. So there's a lot of women who have courageous and strong roles, mm-hmm. um, and men end up interacting with her. So Lydia didn't intimidate Paul. Paul actually supported her ministry. Exactly. You know. So anyway, I want to. Um, I wanted to ask you this question. When I read the book of Ro- Ruth, I don't know how Naomi and Ruth would have survived without being tough in their circumstances. Yeah, they needed to be tough. And in today's world, I feel like Ruth would have challenged some of the roles in modern Christianity um, places on women. Um, But when Ruth challenged Boaz, he didn't respond defensively. And that's what I love is that he's not defensive. So I just want to ask you a question. Go for it. What advice would you give men who feel insecure by a woman's confidence? Uh, Don't run from the woman's confidence. I think that I'm going to try to say this delicately. I think weak men are intimidated by strong women. Mm. So if if you're a man, and I'm a man, fully man, 100% of me is male, and I'm a strong man. I'm a strong-willed man. Uh, I'm a leader. I have been. I'm very loud. Uh, I have a big personality. And most of my gifts are communication-type gifts, so I've lived a majority of my life in the spotlight on the stage. So I can say that as a, as a strong man, Anytime in our marriage that I have felt threatened by you, it's a sign of an insecurity in me. Hmm. If I've been threatened by a desire or a dream that you've had, or even something you needed to make me aware of, a confrontation that you brought to me, or something you noticed, or something that I was going to do that you didn't feel good about and you had to speak up, anytime I have gotten frustrated with you, or anytime I've been offended by you asserting your voice, it is always a reflection back to me that there's an insecurity or a lack of confidence that that exposes. Mm -hmm. So the advice I have for men, and I tell men this in in our coaching network, I tell friends of mine in ministry, don't be intimidated by the personality of your wife and don't be threatened by the spiritual gifts that God gave your wife. 
It's a sign of real strength when you as a man can champion and celebrate your wife's gifts, when you can um, give her space and opportunities to expand those gifts, walk in those gifts, and to pursue those dreams. So I think when Boaz um, basically receives Ruth, gives her a place in his fields working with his workers, gives her protection, food, and water, he is communicating to her a real strength. Mm -hmm. Then when she comes and basically proposes to him and, and asks, would you take me in? I'm a widow. My husband died back in Moab. I'm a foreigner. I'm a widow. And I'm really not even supposed to be here. But I'm just going to go out on a, on a limb here. I'm going to take a long shot. I want you to marry me. Would you take me into your family? That took a lot of courage for her to do that. It also took a lot of courage for Naomi, her mother-in-law, to tell her to go do that. Mm -hmm. So you really have two strong women in the story. They're mm -hmm. tough. They've survived. They've made it. They could have died in Moab. They could have starved to death as two barren widows with no kids, right? But that's not what happened. I think that when Boaz receives her request and says yes and agrees to marry her and make her his wife, it shows a real strength. He's not intimidated by her personality. And you know, I mean, this is true for us, Shara. You you have a very strong personality. And by strong, I don't mean that you're overbearing. You know what I mean. I don't mean that you um, assert your to get your way all the time. As a matter of fact, I would say that confidence is more of a characteristic that I have, probably sometimes to an unhealthy level. Mm -hmm. I'd say that you lack confidence naturally. Mm -hmm. So you doubt yourself. I almost never doubt myself. Mm -hmm. So there's good and bad to both of those. I think but I think I think what the difference is is that when I feel something very strongly is right mm -hmm. or needs to be done, I have a hard time not saying. That's when you, you, know, you do speak up with boldness. Mm -hmm. And so what I've had to learn is to listen, to listen to you, because that gift that God gave you is also a gift for me. Mm -hmm. now, how many times have you heard me tell people that the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life were the times, the handful of times I didn't listen to you when you had a discernment about mm -hmm. something or when you had a feeling and sometimes I think we get into trouble when, as men, our wives have a feeling, but they don't have any proof or any data mm -hmm. or anything to point to. And men, this is probably way over stereotypical, but I think that men sometimes are looking for a reason to not change their plans, just stay on the track you're on. And so it's real easy for us when a wife says to us, I don't have a good feeling about this situation, or I don't have a good feeling about this job, or I really don't have a good feeling about this person. If we've already made our mind up, we're going to do something, then we're going to fire back mm -hmm. and say, well, give me proof. Tell me why. I need data. I need reasons. I need three or four bullet points. Mm -hmm. But in reality, if we are strong and secure in God as men, and if we're strong and secure in our identity as beloved sons of God, then we'll have more of an openness to listen to our wives, not as some inferior member of our family, but as an equal in the eyes of God, because you are my wife, but at the same time, you're my sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the spirit that lives in me also lives in you. And I can't ever forget that when you and I are talking or making a decision, you're my sister in Christ and I need to honor you that way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there is a confidence that I see in Boaz that he wasn't intimidated by a tough woman who had survived a lot of it just by her sheer tenacity. Mm -hmm. And so I guess um, for the women out there who feel like I know that I've felt this way before, but just almost scared that if I were to object to something that you say or... Um, 
disagree or just don't want to do what you say that I'm being, quote, unsubmissive or whatever, what advice would you give to a woman in how to talk to a man who, who feels like she's strong or feels like this independent, it's, it's not necessarily independence. It's just the fact that they really believe that something is wrong and they need to tell their man. And Mm -hmm. it's hard for them to know how without doing it disrespectfully. So what, what kind of advice would you give to women in talking to their man so that they're not, so that their man's not intimidated? You know, first of all, I would say to to the wife uh, when it comes to saying something like that to your man, you know your husband, you understand his personality, and you need to um, you need to approach him in ways that you think will work for him. Mm-hmm. So, the best time for you to critique me about anything is not as soon as I walk off stage from mm-hmm. preaching. You know that about me. Mm-hmm. You also know that right before we go to bed. When I'm very, very tired, very sleepy, that's not the time, the right time for you to tell me something that's been heavy on your heart or even not heavy in a negative way, but something that you've been feeling because I'm about to go to sleep. I don't have the the mental or the physical ability to really process it. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, my first piece of advice would be know the rhythms of your husband and know when is a good time to bring up something that could potentially be confrontational or not received well. I think the second thing is have courage. And when you talk to him and when you bring it up, um, make eye contact with him and with a smile on your face and with as much respect in your heart as you can possibly muster for your husband, be very clear. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that um, men need. We need clarity and we need simplicity. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's hard because when you're sharing something that you feel deeply for a woman, most women want to share all the feelings associated with that. Um, Sometimes, and I've told you this before, how many times have we had fights and arguments where I've asked you multiple times, tell me again, tell me again. So third thing I would say would be patient with your husband. He may not initially understand why you're saying something to him that he may not agree with. And you may have to repeat it several times. And if you get frustrated, try not to show it as much. And uh, I mean, you're a human, so you're going to be frustrated. The same, the same would go if the roles were reversed. Mm-hmm. So be confident and be patient. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more opportunity you give your husband to listen to you, the better he's going to become mm-hmm. at listening to you and understanding why you feel the way that you feel about some big decision or some big conflict or some potential conflict that may arise in your relationship. Right. I think that one of the keys, if you feel like you're a woman that's scared to maybe uh, of conflict, because I've met a lot of women like that, I think to um, communicate yourself often, uh, how you feel to your husband, communicate what you're feeling often so that it's not just a one-time shot. Um, Because I think sometimes you just say it one time, if he didn't believe you or receive it, you just give up. And that's not... That's not going to work. You know, um, there are many times that Clayton has to tell me things multiple times because either I'm not listening or I'm not hearing or whatever the situation, I think you have to keep, keep communicating. Um, the next thing that I know, uh, one thing that I love about Boaz is that he's sacrificial and supportive. So, um, he doesn't just simply permit what she asks him to do and the, and, you know, working in the fields or even with marriage, he actually embraces God's call on her life. Um, 
So a lot of times you've done that in my life. It's been a process of communication of what I want to do with my life and dreams that I have. And sometimes those things have changed, but constant communication of that to you has given you the permission to be supportive of me. But it has also meant that you've had to be sacrificial in that you've had to step back from some things that maybe you didn't think you would maybe not do quite as much Mm -hmm. in order to allow me space to pursue some things that I love. So what when you've done this, when you've made sacrifices for me so that I can pursue my dreams, what how do you what are you thinking and feeling when you do that for me? The the big thing that I think the big emotion that I feel is I love you and I want to see you happy. I can ask you a question here, yeah. right? Yeah. What's the number one thing I tell you that I live for? Yeah, that you just want to make me happy. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. the, that's my number one daily motivation in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I want to honor God with my life, but my number one practical daily motivation is how can I how can I satisfy my wife? How can mm-hmm. I please her? How can I help her fulfill what God's called her to do? So that's what I think when so I've done when I've done that for you. That has been the defining thought. That's been the one golden thread that um, I have tried to follow. What does God want Shari to do and who does he want her to be? And how can I help make that happen? So how do you think you got there? Because I think when we first met, you weren't necessarily in this place. It wasn't that you didn't want to make me happy. It's just that you were on the fast track, like you were so focused on ministry and where you were going and what you wanted to accomplish. Yeah. How, what does it ta- what does it take for a man to start noticing his wife and like pulling back some? Well, it's it's a, it's a give and take. It's both. You're right. I was very very focused on building something. Mm-hmm. We were building a, a ministry, mm-hmm. and we look at it now. Yeah, and it's built. It's good. We both did we, it. We in did different it ways. But. The other thing I would say is when we first got married, you didn't really know what you wanted. Yeah, it's true. It was a stage of life that we were both in. Mm-hmm. I was on a track and you came and joined me on that track. Yep. That's what happened with us. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't pause my life and go join you. Mm-hmm. You basically paused your life and moved from Boone to Boiling Springs and you j- moved in with my pastor and his family at the mm-hmm. time and you joined my life. You joined our staff at Crossroads. And so I think that there are seasons of life where the woman may feel like you did. You take a backseat to your husband's calling or your husband's job or your husband's identity or his pursuits. And then you and then you've got these dreams or these ideas or these visions that haven't really yet been fully fleshed out. And then when they do begin to to grow and those desires to take on a project or write a book or become a speaker or open up your own shop or start your own business, whatever those desires might be, you know, kids are a big part of that uh, equation as well. When you sense that that is stirring in you as a woman, my advice, and you did this with me, is keep communicating with your husband how you're feeling at every single juncture. Mm -hmm. You already said it. The more you communicate with your husband, the more he's going to understand you. Mm -hmm. And that happened with us. There were moments where you would say, I want to do this or I want to do that. And we didn't really know how to make it happen, but at least we knew that's the direction we need to go. And now here we are 20 years into marriage and, and you're able finally to be able to do some of those things. You're on that track. You're in seminary. You've written books. You're speaking and traveling all over the place. You've got your own podcast. It took 20 years to get to that place. Mm-hmm. So it was a slow process, but it was a process, honestly, and we've talked about this a lot. We couldn't speed it up. You can't jump, um, you can't jump seasons. Right. Yeah. Like when you were homeschooling the boys, yep. I saw you invest 
so much into our kids in mm-hmm. that time of your life. There's no way you could have been writing a book and doing a podcast and traveling and speaking and right. stuff like that. So yeah. you can't jump those seasons in life. You have to embrace them knowing that a day is going to come when you'll be ready for that dream and that dream will be ready for you. Right. I think from this story, we can see that Ruth had to be bold enough to speak up Mm -hmm. even when it was uncomfortable for her and to ask um, and to work hard and to make sacrifices herself for Naomi. But then when Boaz saw a need, he had to be willing to, you know, he gave up some of his um, profit in the yep. field. He was sacrificial. And he was also giving up some of his inheritance. Not just, it wasn't his inheritance, it's probably his kids that he already had. Right. They were having to give up some of their inheritance. Because he would dad. eventually go on to yep. have children with Ruth, right. and those children would receive whatever inheritance that he yep. left after he died. Well, and he was actually um, trying to actually restore the family of Elimelech. Right. And so that meant that that wasn't actually going to belong to Boaz anymore. It was going to go to support that family. family. Yeah, which is offspring. which is even more of a sacrifice. Um, the last um, quality that I feel like Boaz had that was just very beautiful was that he was protective but not controlling. Yeah. So we see this on the threshing floor when Ruth pro, uh, proposes to Boaz. He technically could have um, taken her to be his wife at that point. Meaning like they could have literally, I'm not trying yeah. to be rated R, but they could have just had sex that have, night yeah. and that would have been the act of marriage. He could have said, come and join me mm-hmm. here on this threshing floor and you will become my wife now. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. He made. He just said, let's wait until in the morning. He let her stay there instead of sending her back. Which in a would discreet have been, way. Right. But it would have been dangerous mm-hmm. for her to have gone home alone at that time of night right. with all of the men during harvest time. Who knows what would have happened to her. Mm-hmm. So instead, he has her stay um, separate from him, but in that area. So she's protected, um, but also pursues her in the proper legal way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sends her away the next morning with food for Naomi and a promise to pursue um, marriage with her. So um, I wanted to just ask this question because I think this is something that I don't totally understand. But will you take a minute to just explain why men feel so protective of their woman in general? Um, And sometimes that feels like it's controlling to females. And so I think it would be good for us to understand like what that nature is in a man to be protective. I've thought about this question a lot because I knew you were going to ask me and I hope that my answer works for the women who are listening to this podcast right now. So let me appeal to your feelings. Let me appeal to your emotions. Okay. So the question is why do men feel so protective of their women, of their woman, like a husband protective of his wife. And you're convinced I'm an eight on the Enneagram, which is the protector. That's, you know, part of eight or three. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm probably both. I'm, I'm complex (laughs) and and complicated, multi-layered. So here's the answer to your question. Why do so many men feel so protective of their wives? Let me answer that by by um, appealing to a mother's instinct. Why does a mother naturally feel so protective of mm-hmm. her children? Mm-hmm. It's just the way God wired a mother. Mm-hmm. A godly man is wired by God and inspired by the Holy Spirit to protect his family, to protect his wife. Mm-hmm. I want to protect you. I want to provide for you. I want to make sure you're safe. I want to make sure your tires are properly inflated. I want to make sure that you've got oil and gas in your car, that you've got a first aid kit, that your insurance is paid for. I want to make sure that the heat works in the house. I want to make sure that we've got water. All of those things are part of my need to make you happy. 
because my happiness is really connected to your happiness because mm-hmm. we're one flesh. Mm-hmm. There's no other, there's no even no example in the Bible of, of parents and children being one flesh, even though you share DNA. Mm-hmm. You and I don't even share DNA. That's what's ironic mm-hmm. about that symbolism. We do not have the same DNA double helix model. Right. But what we do share is a spiritual and physical and emotional and sexual connection that only a husband and a wife can share. Our children have our DNA, but they're never called one flesh with us in the Bible. Right. So as I grow to love you, this is what Paul says in Ephesians 4, that a man should love his wife like he loves his own body. Okay. You literally, I want to protect my body. I'm, I'm going to... I would be more likely to put my body in harm's way than, than to allow you to be in danger. Mm-hmm. So when a woman tries to understand, why does my husband always want to protect me so much? We'll flip that question right back around and say, why do you want to protect your kids so much? Yeah. Because they're yours. Yeah. You're mine. Mm-hmm. And so I will do anything in this world to protect you, no matter what sacrifice I have to, to give. And I think it is easy for a woman to, to for that emotion to feel in a woman's heart that it moves from protective to controlling, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I think men have to be sensitive to that. I think mm-hmm. we have to be careful that in our desire to protect our wife, that we don't unintentionally begin to control our wife. Right. And I think that, that, you know, there have been times that I've looked at you and said, look, I'm going through something and there's nothing you can do to fix me or to fix this, yeah. or I'm just going to have to, I'm just going to have to go through it and you have to let go and watch me. Yep. And it's hard, but I have to do that with you too. Yep. I mean, I want to fix things with you sometimes. So I think that the line between protective and controlling just is that place where the worry comes in maybe mm-hmm. and the anxiety where we just realize you have to let go and like God take control of whatever it is that's going or not take control, but like help that person go through what it is that they need to go through, mm-hmm. you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, this has been such a good podcast and well, I feel like we've learned a lot about Boaz and yes. just the kind of character traits that he had. What were the three character traits again? Uh, three character traits of an impressive man is security, security and, confidence. and confidence, right? That's number one. Um, sacrifice and support, yep, uh, sacrificial and supportive, mm-hmm. um, protective, but not controlling. Gotcha. Yep. Well, so. I, I hope I can model, uh, Boaz for you. I yes. really try to, and, um, I love you enough that I'm willing to Listen and learn. Well, if you didn't, I wouldn't have had you in on this podcast. I would have gotten someone else. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. So um, (laughs) anyway, listeners, thank you so much for joining us for episode 37 of Overcoming Monday, where we provide little secrets for your big breakthrough. I hope that you've enjoyed talking about these three character traits that impress me the most about Boaz which ironically, I also see in my man. So thank you, Clayton, for being here today. Um, I actually can't think of a better man to give advice on this subject. Um, Thank you. That's very sweet. I love you. And in case you didn't know, this podcast is a production of Clayton King Ministries. If you've benefited from this podcast, I'd absolutely love for you to share this on your social media platform and leave a super duper review on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks a bunch for your support. Our ministry hopes we've given you something to overcome your Monday. 
We're thankful you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you. There are three ways you can help us reach even more people. Be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShariKing99. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to CKM, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry at ClaytonKing.com slash give. And of course, subscribe. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out her blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.